want to welcome all of you joining us here in the sanctuary this morning for everyone who's joining us online for worship today either live stream or maybe watching the worship later this week and engaging in your time of worship there we're thankful that you've gathered here in this place with us today as we celebrate and lift up the name of Jesus and give thanks to God for all the saints that have come before us in the life of the church I'll talk more about uh, all saints Sunday in just a few moments before I do that, though, I want to remind you, if you would please, to take one of the Connect cards in the pew rack in front of you. If you take one of those out, put your contact information on the front. But more importantly, even than that, on the back is a place for you to share whatever prayer requests you might have. We want to be in prayer with you this week. Our pastors meet every single week to pray over all of those prayer requests. So we really encourage you to share what your prayer needs are with us so we can pray with you and for you. This morning, uh, if you did bring an offering with you here in the sanctuary, uh, as you leave the sanctuary, we have two boxes on the way out the center aisle here, and you can put your Connect card with your prayer request and a morning offering if you brought it with you in the boxes as you leave the uh, sanctuary this morning. We're thankful for our children in our midst. We have kids camp this morning for all of our children from pre-K up to second grade, third graders and up. We want you to stay here in the sanctuary with us for this time of worship so that we learn together how to worship across many generations at the same time. And so if you're one of those young children, uh, pre-K up to second grade, we're going to dismiss you in just a moment after we pray. Pastor Stephanie's at the back of the sanctuary ready for you. So let's pray together. God, we give you thanks for our children, for the youngest disciples in our midst. And we pray, God, that during this time that they would be built up and strengthened as they share story, as they play together in a godly way, and as they encounter the power of your Holy Spirit. Bless them as they go forth and for all of us as we continue in our worship in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So we're going to dismiss our pre-K to second graders to go with Pastor Stephanie at the back of the sanctuary. For all of you who are remaining in the sanctuary, we're going to engage in a time of remembrance together. So I'm going to ask Pastor Camille to come forward. And let me explain to you a little bit about what we're going to be doing this morning. Uh, today is All Saints Sunday. It's the first Sunday of November I'll explain a little bit more about the history of that tradition at the beginning of the sermon today. But what we do in our church is every year on the first Sunday of November is we pause to remember all the life of our church who have died during this last year because we believe deeply in the promise of eternal life in Jesus' name and that those who have died in the midst of our congregation this last year are not dead. They are alive forever and eternally in the presence of God. And so we affirm and we celebrate and lift that up. What will be happening this morning is Pastor Camille and I will be reading off the names of the 16 individuals in our church that have passed away during this last year. And as we read each name, a family member is going to come forward with a small little vial of water. And when we read that name, they'll walk forward and they're going to pour that water here into our baptismal font. And then they're going to return to their seat and then we'll read the next name. In some cases, uh, a family member of that individual is not able to be with us today. So in those cases, we're going to ask one of our former pastors, Mark Abbott, to bring forward that water for each person we name, and he'll do that at that time. And so we'll just follow a rhythm together of inviting people forward one at a time as we read off names so that they can pour the water here in the baptismal font that we're actually going to be using later on in the worship service. So for right now, I'd invite you to just pause for a moment and join me in a word of prayer. Thank you. 
God of all saints, we give you thanks for every saint who ever worshipped you. Whether in brush arbors or cathedrals, weathered wooden churches or crumbling cement meeting houses where your name was lifted up and adored, where your scriptures were studied, your people served. We give you thanks, O God, for the centuries of hands in service, hands groomed, hands stained with grease or soil, young hands, hands marked with age, holy hands of every shade, raised in praise, serving hands that cooked, hammered, and even held. They ministered on earth for you, for us, for our children to come. And so we give you thanks, O God, for saints in a season even after the pandemic, family and friends whose love was taken from us too soon, caregivers of every kind who put our safety before theirs, employers, landlords who gave us steady wages and roofs over our heads, cooks and drivers that kept us fed and stocked. All these we remember this day. So in gratitude for the gifts of these things, we take a moment to name those before you and the body of Christ, claiming their lives as a gift to the church. Marky Barrett. Philip Clement. Betty Ann Dickerson. Leonard Ensign. Frank Furtado. Sarah Furtado. Lynn Gilliland. Alan Gray.
Stephen Johnson. Velma McDonald. Vivan Bud McDowell. Wallace D. McMullen. George Overholt. Sandra Shaynolds. Richard Sweeney. Nola Whitesell. We give you thanks, O God, for all these that we have named before you who have joined the great cloud of witnesses, those who intercede and worship and pray before you constantly. We pray, O God, that even as we gather in this space, you would make us mindful of all those that have helped shape and form faith and belief and discipleship in every single one of us. And so, God, we pause now for a moment in prayer to name all of those people in our hearts that we remember and give thanks to you for this day. For each of these we give thanks, O Lord, in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our hope of eternal life. Amen. Amen.
Today's scripture is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 22. Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, this is the reason that I don't stop giving thanks to God for you when I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you. I pray that the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, and what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among us believers. This power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. God's power was at work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and sat him at God's right side in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and angelic power, any power that might be named, not only now but in the future. God put everything under Christ's feet and made him ahead of everything in the church. Amen. Today is All Saints Sunday. And it corresponds to November 1, which is All Saints Day. And so on that day, for almost 1,500 years, the church has paused to remember all those who have come before us in the faith, whether it be those even in the life of this church who've died during the last year or even those who have uh, impacted our lives, uh, lives for which we give thanks to God for um, throughout our days, and especially today. In the Irish and the Scottish tradition of the Celtic Church, the All Saints celebration on November 1 was a three-day gathering that started the day before November 1 and ended the day after November 1. And so that gathering and celebration and observance of All Saints began, began on October 31, the day before. And in the Irish tradition, it's called All Hallows' Eve. In other words, it's the eve before we honored the hallowed ones. And in the Gaelic dialect that is in Scotland, Eve is pronounced we-een. And so all hallows we-een. You see where this is going, don't you? That's the, where we get Halloween from. Halloween is the, uh, how should we say, um, uh, streamlined version of Scottish Gaelic, all hallows Eve. And there are other cultures that observe the same thing uh, similar to the way we do, although uh, within American culture, the notion of All Hallows' Eve is largely lost in the favor of just Halloween. But in Hispanic Latino cultures, they celebrate the Dia de los Muertos. It's the corresponding celebration. It's this moment in which they pause as a, as a group and a people to remember and to give thanks to God for the lives that have come before them. And in all of the strange ways, they kind of, uh, this observance is kind of mutated into different forms and different kinds of cultures and places. But to suffice to say that the, the heartbeat of that celebration, the beginning of it, and that observance is November 1, All Saints Day. And that's what we observe on the first Sunday of November in the life of our church. I'm certain that many of you can think of individuals who had a great impact on your life of faith. People that discipled you, people that mentored you, people that touched you. And sometimes those people are alive and sometimes they may not be alive any longer. And so today we want to turn our attention to how remembering those people, and at least remembering those people in a cycle of gratitude, of thanksgiving to God, can really be a form of encouragement to us and also an encouragement to be an example in and of ourselves in the world in which we live. The Apostle Paul visited 
the Ephesians during his ministry. The New Testament tells us that Paul traveled to Ephesus on one of his missionary journeys, and he so appreciated the Ephesian church, he lived in Ephesus for three years. It's the place he lived longer than any other place that's described to us in the book of Acts. And after living with the Ephesian Christians and being with them for a a good number of years, that that community was built up and grown into a a dynamic and um, powerful community that spread its ministry across the ancient world. Ephesus is located in modern-day Turkey, and it used to be a port city 2,000 years ago, but now it's about eight miles inland from the actual port city today, which is called Kusadasi. And so if you get to go to ancient Ephesus today, you can walk down the restored Roman road in the middle of the city down to the library at the bottom, and then uh, over to the right, there's the, the Colosseum that was there. But Ephesus was known for having this great um, uh, signpost of the ancient world in Roman and Greek paganism called the Temple of Artemis was in Ephesus. So people came from all over the world to visit this Roman and Greek pagan temple. And so it's not surprising that when the Christian community got started in Ephesus, it was in a city that was already somewhat kind of predisposed to some religious observance. So when people came to Christ, found themselves as a part of that tradition, that church experienced dynamic growth, so much so that the Apostle Paul stayed there for three years. There's a very touching story later in the book of Acts that describes when Paul is on his way back to Jerusalem, where he understands that he will be arrested once he gets there, more than likely, and then have uh, an imprisonment that will take him to Rome. The Ephesian Christians want Paul to stop in Ephesus to greet them, and it's a really touching episode in the book of Acts where Paul says that he doesn't want to go to Ephesus because if he does, he'll, he'll stay there. He won't leave. His affection and love for them runs so deep. And so they agree that he'll just stop on the beach and that the elders of the church of Ephesus will come out to greet him. And it's just a lovely story in Acts where the elders of the church in Ephesus gather around Paul. They weep and cry together and embrace one another and pray for Paul as he continues on his journey to Jerusalem. The Ephesian church is an important church in the New Testament. And so we come to this epistle or letter written to the Ephesians. And hopefully having a little bit of that context will allow verse 15 to make some sense. It says in Ephesians 1.15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints. I want you to take notice of the, the good kind of gossip going on in this verse. For this reason I too, having what? Heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you. So the writer of Ephesians has heard about them, knows their story, knows their witness and testimony, and is expressing thanksgiving. So if you read in verse 16, the next verse that we read a moment ago, you'll see that Paul gives thanks to God for them. Now it's important that you not forget that dynamic, because it'd be easier for the writer of Ephesians to look at the Ephesians and say, well, I'm, I appreciate you. I think you, you all are awesome. So instead of having that work in a dyad, in other words, the writer and the Ephesians, the writer chooses to express language in a triad. I give thanks to God for you. And so as you think about your own life and your own witness of your life, which would you rather have? Would you rather have the appreciation of people or would you rather have the affirmation of knowing that people thank God for you? 
Those are two very different things. Because to be honest, even the people that aren't believers know how to appreciate other people. That's not hard. But to create that triad, that three-part relationship where I give thanks to God for you, that, that's a different dynamic. And that's exactly what's going on with the writer of Ephesians. He's lifting them up as an example. And that's one of the two words I want to just simply lift up today. An example and encouragement. We'll get to encouragement in a minute. But just think for a moment about example, that we are all living examples. The writer hears about their faith, knows the difference that they've made, gives thanks to God for them. The Ephesians are examples to be lifted up. That's sort of what we're doing today on All Saints Sunday, is we're giving thanks to God for all of these lives, not just these 16 lives that we've remembered this morning, but all the lives that have helped shape and touch us and mold us into the people that God has called us to be. This is important work for us to do. Now, I've only been the pastor of this church for four months and six days. I still get to check my watch to get that information. That's how short a period of time it is. And so of these 16 lives that are represented by these candles here, I did not know any of them personally, and I actually only met one of them. And one of them that I met was Marky Barrett. Now, Marky is a remarkable individual, I understand, in the life of our church. And I saw Marky toward the very, very end of his life. I came to the hospital to visit him. He was uh, not uh, awake when I visited. I read a psalm, had a prayer. I was there with his son, Mark, who's here this morning. And uh, we had a moment to share together, and then I left. What I learned about Marky Barrett is that Marky was the founder of one of our adult Sunday school classes in our church called the Home Builders. He used to sing in a choir that was part of a free Methodist radio program that went out across the country for years called the Light and Life Choir that was part of the Light and Life Hour that was on the radio. He had a tremendous legacy in the life of this church. He was a member of this church when the sanctuary that you are sitting in right now was built. Could I have told a similar story about the other 15 lives that were here? Friends, these people are examples to us that we give thanks to God for. And no matter how you knew these people, and maybe you didn't know any of them, all of us can name those people, can't we? All of us can name those people that had an impactful movement in our life. For me, those names are Carol Huff, Helen Reynolds, Bruce Oxford, Dwayne Hauser. You don't know any of those names, do you? If you do, I'd love to talk to you. <laughs> but those are the people that are living witnesses and examples to me of Jesus Christ. And I don't sit and go, oh, Helen was so awesome. She's the one who taught me how to make church coffee. I give thanks to God for her. I give thanks to God for how she demonstrated a servant's heart showing up at church every single Sunday, two hours before it started, to make sure coffee was made, that food was ready, so that when people arrived at church, they felt like they had come home. A living witness. So let me ask you, of these 16 lives that we've celebrated today, maybe the lives you would name on your own, are they dead? 
Okay, some of you were at 9 o'clock, so you know the drill here, right? That was resoundingly mediocre for a group of people who believe in eternal life. Are they dead? No. No, they are not. No, they are not. It's funny to me that as Christians, when we talk about evangelism and reaching people the gospel, we always tease them with eternal life, but I sometimes feel like it's a bait and switch. Oh, you should accept Jesus because you have eternal life, and that's the last we speak of it. We don't talk about it anymore. We talk about other stuff, but not that. Eternal life is the realization that we stand in a long line of people for hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of years, what the book of Hebrew calls a great cloud of witnesses who've all gone before us, and we have our moment in this world at this time to do the work God has called us to do, and when we're gone, guess what's going to happen? Someone after us is going to continue that work until the Lord returns. That's why today is an important day. It reminds us that we're only one link in the chain, but... Without us, that chain is broken. We need to remember our past. And that's what we do today when we think about being a living example. So I want you to just pause for a moment of silence, and I want you to think of the person or persons who are responsible for you knowing the good news of Jesus. The writer of Ephesians says, I give thanks to God for you. In other words, the Ephesians. So that thanks to God, that's a form of gratitude, yes? And that gratitude ignites a cycle in our life. That gratitude eventually comes around to generosity. People who are filled with gratitude are typically the most generous. The people who are not filled with gratitude tend to be the most greedy with their time and their money and their resources and everything else. They're linked together. And so what we need to hear here is that not only are we called to be living examples, but we're also called to offer gratitude for the encouragement that we've received and to give that encouragement. Listen again to Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Here's what it says. Here's what the writer states. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know all that is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of this glory of his inheritance in the saints, And what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. For the Greek-speaking world, the heart was the seat of will. It's where choices were made. So when it says open the eyes of the heart, it's trying to say increase their capacity to do, increase the capacity to act, increase the capacity to keep doing what you're doing. The writer tells the Ephesians what he's praying for. So the last time you heard somebody tell you what they needed prayer for in their life, did you say to them, well, I'll be praying for you? In the biblical witness, that's not quite how this works. When we read any of the letters of Paul or the other writings of the New Testament, we hear writers telling people what they're praying for. And so I might encourage you to think about prayer just a little differently. So next time you hear a need from a person, instead of just simply saying to them, I'm going to pray for you, how about you say, I'm praying for you for this. 
and tell them. You see, the Christian community is knit together in these relationships that are bound by being examples of encouragement to each other that generate a sense of thanksgiving and gratitude in our midst. And so what happens is as when people share what they need for prayer, that's an intimate act of community. They're saying, I want you to be a part of this with me by praying about it. And we respond with an equal amount of intimacy. Not only am I praying for you, but this is what I'm praying for you. Tell them. Encourage them. Give voice to the words. The writer of Ephesians says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened and then goes on from there to explain to the Ephesians how they're being prayed for. So as we reflect with gratitude for those who have been an example that have come before us, we also affirm their presence now and the presence of the future. Eternal life is like a um, leaky dam. A leaky dam is that eternal ice on the other side of the dam, and we're on this side, but the dam leaks, so water is squirting through on us all the time. And so uh, theologians call this the in-breaking of the kingdom of God, that there's this sense of the rule of Christ is leaking onto us right now. So the demarcation line between this life and the next life, the present and the future, is blurred. One of my favorite theologians from the 1950s wrote a book, his name is George Ladd, called The Presence of the Future. It's a great name for a book. And it's about this bleeding together of these ages in which we live. And I think sometimes we forget that we're part of this eternal kingdom, this eternal life. And something I didn't share at 9 o'clock, but I'll tell you that when you come into this space or time or even any moment when you step into worship, you get the privilege of coming into the same space that all of these people we celebrated this morning, they're doing the same thing. They're gathered, according to the picture that's given to us in Revelation, around the very throne of God, bowing down in worship and hailing the name of Jesus, the one who sits on the throne. That's what they're doing. So when you worship, you're stepping into that eternal activity that has been going on from the beginning of time and will go on forever and ever and ever. At least for me, I derive some comfort in knowing that as much as I miss my friend Dwayne Hauser, who is my spiritual mentor and led me in so many ways to be a disciple of Jesus, that right now I know exactly what Dwayne's doing. And during this time, we're doing the same thing. That's comforting. It's powerful. So this work of being an encouragement to one another is important. Not only are we to give thanks for the people who impacted us, but we must remember that there are people who are looking to us in that same way. There are people that are looking to us to be servants and leaders and disciplers and mentors. There are people looking to us for that very same thing. So this tradition of All Saints Sunday, it's no mere tradition. This is not an empty ritual we go through every year as a church. It's a ritual in which we remember that our moment right now in this life is a link in that chain. And for those who discard history and don't think much about the past and don't really consider the people who've come before and don't care about the people who've come after, they're arrogant, filled with hubris and pride, somehow thinking that everything in the whole universe depends on them. Good Lord, help us. We're part of a long story that God is telling. And we have a place in it, an important place in it. 
this is our time to do that which God has called us to do. So I want you to pause now for another moment of silence. I want you just to reflect on who are you encouraging today? Who are you encouraging today? The writer of Ephesians concludes this text that we read this morning, which is part of the prayer for the Ephesian Christians, concludes it with a a great doxology and says this beginning of the latter half of verse 19. These are in accordance with the working of his might. In other words, what he's praying for. I'm praying for you for these things, and these things are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Your trivia to know for the day is Ephesians 1, the entire chapter, is just one sentence just one sentence. And it ends with this great exclamation of joy and praise and worship to God. We affirm this day in which we remember those who've come before us and affirm our place in this moment because of Jesus. It's because of his death and resurrection. Just like the writer says in these closing verses, that that's the way in which God manifests God's power, that God manifests it in Jesus and in his death and in his resurrection, that if we come and accept that and receive that, that that eternal life is ours, and that eternal life is not something we wait for. Remember, it's leaky. We should all be just a little bit wet, like you probably were when you came in this morning, remembering that the kingdom of God is leaking onto us and that it's coming to us all the time, that the future is breaking into the present, and it does so through us because of Jesus' death and resurrection. So today, instead of gathering around the communion table for communion, we thought we would pause for a moment to let the unsung sacrament stand center, and that's the sacrament of baptism. The sacrament of baptism is the sacrament in which we participate in the death and resurrection of Jesus. What Paul tells us in the book of Romans, that in baptism we are buried with Christ, and then we're raised to new life in him. So our promise of this eternal life, our promise of occupying our place in this chain is grounded in the water of baptism as a a sign to us of that reality. It is the rite of initiation, and it is the thing Christians have had in common since the beginning of the church, is that they all come into the church through water and the Spirit, every single one of us. Baptism is the great equalizer, and it is also the great empowerer by God's Holy Spirit to do the work in the world that God's called us to do. So when we come to baptism, that's our moment of sharing in the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the moment we say, yes, Lord, I want to participate in the work you've done for me and for this world. So in a moment, we're going to invite you to come forward. Instead of for communion, we're going to invite you forward to our baptismal font. And as you come forward, we're just going to give you a small shell 
that's in the font that people have been pouring water into as we named off name after name after name of individuals. And we'll give you that shell into your hands. Come forward with your hands simply like this, open, and place the shell there. And all Pastor Camille and I will say to you is, remember your baptism and be thankful. That's what this moment is about. Some of you were baptized as an infant. You have no memory of your baptism. Some of you were even baptized as an adult and you don't have any memory of your baptism. This is one way we get to step into that act and go, God, I remember my baptism and I'm thankful. Thankful for Jesus. Thankful for all the people who embodied Jesus to me. Thankful to you for all the ways my life has been changed and impacted by the good news. This is our moment to give thanks for that. And so in keeping with Jesus being our pioneer and our um, brother in the faith who gave us an example, uh, I brought some water with me today to add to this water. And this water is taken from the Jordan River where Jesus himself was baptized. Let's pray together. Lord, we give you thanks for the, the gift of baptism, for in it we are reminded of who we are, that we're part of a long thread of believers who trace their origin to you, that you are the Lord, the giver of life, that apart from you there is no life, there is no hope apart from you, that while our world turns to so many different ways to try to fix what they think is wrong with us, the only way to life is in Jesus Christ. So God, as we gather now in this time, help us to remember our baptism and be thankful, to remember who we are in you, that we've been buried and are resurrected with you. And we stand in a long line and a long cloud of witnesses, giving thanks, honor, and praise to you for your example and for your encouragement. So pour out your Holy Spirit upon this gift of water. And we pray, God, that as we receive it, we might remember and give thanks for all that you have done for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.